Trust your Bibles are prepared this morning. We're in the book of Matthew. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 19, for the preaching of God's word. I'd like to draw your attention to verse number 13. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 19, and verse number 13. We'll stand as we honor God by the reading of his word. The Bible says, Then were they brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Suffer little children, and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for the wonderful opportunity and the privilege that we've had to gather in your house today to worship you, to bless your name, and to give you honor and glory, which you are so deserving of. Lord, I pray as your word goes forth today that you would use it to speak to each and every heart in a very special way. Dear Lord, we need you. We can do nothing without you. And we ask, dear Lord, that you would guide, you would bless, your presence would be felt, and that your word would penetrate each and every heart, and that we would not just be hearers of your word, but doers as well. Give me the words you'll have me to say. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self. Fill me with your precious Holy Spirit, that I may preach what thus said the Lord. And if there's someone here today who does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of their salvation, and every believer would be challenged to take a closer walk with you. And we'll be careful to thank you and praise you for what you will do. Have your divine way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You'll be seated. The God of the universe at creation gave a command to Adam and Eve to be fruitful, to multiply, and to replenish the earth. In doing so, God had established the institution of the family. And he was instructing the very first parents to produce offspring by way of children. And so God, in establishing this institution of the family, was declaring that this precious and priceless institution would be the foundational unit for all humanity. It was God's design that each and every child would grow up in a home with parents who would have the responsibility to love them, to guide them, to care for them until they are at the point where they can reproduce their own children and do the same. And in following this simple formula, the entire earth would be replenished. The entire earth would comprise of individuals who love and honor God. And so it is established that parents have an obligation to teach, to model to pattern behavior so that children can follow accordingly. Amen? 
if you observe, it is amazing that the things that we were taught, whether you're old, whether you're young, that we were taught these things not just by word, but by action. So much is caught rather than taught. My niece, who just turned one, well, I call her my niece, and I guess by way of my wife, my niece as well, just turned one and was hilariously seen to be taking a comb and trying to comb her mother's hair at one. Where did she learn that? Did somebody sit her down and tell her that a comb is what you use to comb here? No, she observed it and wanted to do it on her own. She was trying to pattern action that she had seen. Today our text has a familiar and short encounter. But while it is very short, it is quite instructive because within it are some lessons and patterns that are to be learned, not necessarily by children, but by adults. By us patterning children. Generally, as I have established, that normally the teaching and the learning flows from adult to child, from parent to children. But this morning, I want us to flip this around for the purpose of this message and for the purpose of this text where I want us to see from this text that Jesus is actually pointing out to us that there are some things that we can learn from children. There's some things that we should actually be patterning from children to help us to be what God would have us to be. And so this morning I want to preach a message entitled Lessons to be Learned from Children. Lessons to be Learned from Children. Now if you're taking notes, I want you to jot down, first of all, notice the lesson of firm reliance. Firm reliance. Now look at verse number 13. The Bible says, watch this, then there were brought unto him little children that he should put his hands on them and pray. Now we're not told how these children were brought to Jesus. I presume it could have been parents, relatives, but it's likely that these children were brought to Jesus by adults. Now this is not unusual. I can tell you as a pastor that oftentimes I am called and I am asked to pray over children by way of a baby dedication. Now sometimes people call it christening. And so by reaching out to a pastor, parents are acknowledging that the children require blessing from God. They need his hand of protection. They're asking that God will bless these children's lives as, as delicate as they are. They might be one month old, two months old, six months, but because of the, the age of the child, there's a feeling that this child needs 
the hand of God. This child needs blessing from God. And so that child is brought and you're asked to pray over them. I see nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, I believe that's biblical. Hannah brought Samuel and dedicated him to the Lord. She prayed over Samuel that that God would use him in a mighty way. But here's what I'm observing. While I've received several calls for children to be blessed and to be prayed over, I've received probably far few calls for me to pray over teenagers, to pray over adults, to pray for God's hand on a specific situation by way of blessing and dependence. Now, I'm not saying that people don't call and ask to pray, but I'm saying that that there is a feeling that the children need God's hand. Why? Because when it comes to children, there's a feeling that children are dependent. Do you notice, if you're a parent here this morning, that the more your children grow, the less dependent they are on you? When they enter this world, they're dependent on you for food. They're dependent on you for shelter. They're dependent on you for clothing. And now let's stick on the food thing for a minute. I mean, I've noticed as they grow older, they're less dependent on you for food. And if you're not careful, they might eat all the food off and you might not even get any. But here's the lesson that we must learn from children. We have an obligation, no matter how old we are, to be dependent on Almighty God. Amen? As people grow older, there is a tendency to figure that there is less and less need for God. Somehow we think that uh, I've learned the ropes. I, I know what to do. I've got this. But my friend, you need God to breathe. You need God to sleep. You need God to eat. You need God to move. You need God to do everything that you do. Without God, we can do absolutely nothing. So we might as well learn the lesson of relying on him. That's a lesson that we can learn from children. The lesson of firm reliance. But notice, secondly, in this text, I notice as these children were seeking to rely on Jesus, mark it down, When you make an effort to rely on God, secondly, notice this, you will face rebuke. The Bible says, and the disciples did what? Rebuke them. My friend, when you take a step of faith to depend on God, you will face criticism. Particularly by way of children, you would notice that when children make an effort to Turn to God. They're often told, you're not old enough to understand. You don't know what you're doing. When you put children in, a, in an atmosphere to learn about the word of God, you often hear, uh, you're, presenting, you're preventing them from experiencing life. 
You need to let them learn to make their own decisions. But is that how we function with children normally? Don't we teach them to brush their teeth? Do we let them figure it out all on their own? We teach them good sanitary practices. When they go to school, we teach them the right way to add and to subtract and to divide and and multiply. We try to avoid them. Help them rather to avoid doing these things the wrong way. My friend, what am I saying? I'm saying when it comes to children, we have an obligation to teach them right from wrong. And furthermore, we are to teach them that they need Jesus. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 15 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Proverbs 22 and verse 16 says, Train up a child in the way, not any way, but the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. These children, as they attempted to get to Jesus, they faced rebuke. But notice, number three, and very quickly, the fitting request. Jesus said, suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me. In other words, Jesus was saying, by way of suffering little children, he was saying, allow them to come. Make a way for them to do so. Bring them so that they learn that it is important. Jesus was saying to them, listen, you are trying to stop them, but I want them to come to me. And for heaven's sake, if they're coming, don't prevent them. Don't hinder them. Don't stop them. Listen, these children are so precious because their lives, we hope the majority of their lives is before them. They're at an age where they can learn, they can be grounded. You know why it's so important for us to focus on children? It gives us the opportunity as that song that they sang, I'm a promise, to get in early to make a greater impact. We are missing it when we let children uh, don't get uh, in on, on learning to love God early in their lives. Listen, that's what is done out in the world. You look at individuals who accomplish great things in sports. For example, in tennis, Serena and Venus Williams, at a very early age, when they were probably not even the the size of a tennis racket, I mean, their father places a tennis racket into their hands and help them to accomplish being literally the greatest of all time. Why? They started at an early age. You look at somebody like Tiger Woods. I mean, uh, 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 at two or toddler years old, uh, be taking a golf club uh, and doing great things. Why? They were targeted 
as a child. My friend, when it comes to uh, the work of God and loving God, we got to get our children in the work of God, teaching them to love God, getting them to know God for themselves at an early age. They got to be influenced before they are hardened by sin. Years ago, at our home, we had a little deck at the back, wooden deck. And under that deck, I observed a little plant growing. And I didn't pay much attention to it. But it was at a point where I could have simply taken my hand and plucked it out of the ground. And I let a few weeks and months pass by. And it got to a point where I went back to it and realized that the plant was growing and protruding through the planks on the deck. And if I wasn't careful, it would have actually damaged the deck. But it got to a point where I had waited too long. I could no longer pluck it. All I could do is trim it. I had waited too long. My friend, we are living in a world where because of negligence, as it were, to raise our children in a right way, we are reaping the negative effects on our society. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1 uh, motivates and encourages and, and, and makes sure that we understand the importance to remember the creator in the days of thy what? Youth. While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no what? Pleasure in them. We are reaping the fruit of parents who had no time to bring their children to church. We are seeing a chaotic society with rebellion against parents, against teachers, against the pastor, against the police, against authority. We are being terrorized. But at some point, it's important to understand that these children, at some point in their lives, were literally seen as harmless, innocent individuals. Jesus says it's quite a fitting request to suffer these children, or in other words, allow them and forbid them not to come unto me. But notice finally, and this is quite instructive, Number four, a foremost realization. Jesus makes a poignant statement. He says to them, listen, forbid them not to come unto me. Look at this. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you don't get anything, I want you to get this. Jesus was saying to them, you are prohibiting these children from coming unto me. You are stopping them. You are, you're being an obstacle to them. But these children possess the kind of attitude and approach that it gets anybody into heaven. He says, without the attitude of a child, you will never get into the kingdom. And I want to give you very quickly three things that Jesus wanted us to learn from the attitude of a child. Notice the first thing, dependence or reliance. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, but without 
faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that do what? Diligently seek him. My friend, no matter what age you are, man, woman, boy, or girl, in order for you to be in the kingdom of God, you must have dependence and reliance on him. That's an attitude that exists in children. I remember years ago when my daughter was young, three, four, five, six, seven years old, she would have this habit when we've gone on a drive or wherever we're driving from and we get home, maybe it's late at night, maybe not so late, to pretend that she's sleeping. You ever had that one done? Pretend the eyes are closed and they think that we were born last night. Pretending, why? So that daddy with the compassionate heart would see that she's fast asleep and lift her up and carry her inside and go up this two flights of stairs and put her in her bed. Why? Too lazy. Listen, I don't know if that was reliance or being slick. Probably was deception. But children have an attitude of reliance. My friend, we must have an attitude of reliance on God. But notice, secondly, an attitude that children have that we must possess, that they generally have an attitude of humility. Humility. James chapter 4 and verse 10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Proverbs 16 and 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction and an haughty spirit before a fall. Here's what I noticed about children. Generally speaking, they're not afraid to be wrong. Why? Pride has not yet kicked in. I mean, they sing songs and they, they sing it with whatever words they hear, that's what they repeat. And they sing it to the top of their voices. I'm not trying to embarrass my niece, and I hope that she is not, but I thought it was quite funny when I heard the story. A couple weeks ago, a choir was singing a song, Be exalted, be exalted, be exalted, higher and higher. I heard my niece was singing this song at the top of her voice at home. Be exhausted. Be exhausted. Be exhausted. Higher and listen, I, I laughed about that. You know what? I identified with that song because I was so tired the week. I was exhausted. But that's what she heard, and she sung it to the best of her ability, right, Amaya? They have a level of humility. They're not afraid if you think that they got the wrong words. My friend, if we're going to come to God, we must come to him with an attitude of humility. Jesus says, of such is the kingdom of God. But notice thirdly and finally, Jesus says, we got some things that we need to pattern from children and it is their willingness to believe, to trust. 
Children believe what we tell them. You know that? I mean, teachers would vouch for that. Parents would vouch for that. I mean, as a parent, you try to override something the teacher said, you're going to have a tough time. Because they believe the teacher. Listen, you don't tell me that. Teacher said something else. You promise them something, they're going to believe that you're going to do it. Until you keep disappointing them and then they, they lose hope. But children have an attitude of trust, of belief. Remember the story of Jairus. And he came to Jesus and asked Jesus to come and heal his daughter. And the Bible says in Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. My friend, this pattern, this attitude of children, it is essential that we embrace that attitude no matter who we are in order to see the kingdom, in order to get to Jesus. We must have an attitude of trust and belief in what he said. It's no question that Jesus was speaking not just to children, but he was saying of such is the kingdom of heaven and I trust that this morning that as we generally are the ones to impart to children what ought to be done we're the ones who pattern what they ought to do I trust that we'll recognize from this text that Jesus was saying to man, woman, boy or girl that there's some attitudes there's some behaviors there's some practices that are common to children that are required by every person, every adult, every teenager, every person who would come to Jesus. We got to come as a child. We have to have an attitude of dependence. It can't be, I got it. I got it all figured out. No, we don't. And that attitude of dependence ought to cause us to turn to the one who we need. That attitude of trust and belief. That attitude of humility. That without God, I am nothing. Lessons to learn from our children. I trust that if you're here today, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that you will pattern the attitude of a child. Recognize that you need a Savior. We must come to him in humility. We must come to him believing that he is indeed the only way. Jesus wants to save you. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. My friend, there is no other way. 
It won't be by baptism. It won't be by church membership. It won't be by confirmation. It won't be by doing good works. It won't be by your good outweighing your bad. No. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I have to come with humility, recognizing my righteousnesses are as filthy rags. But I must secondly, after I admit I'm a sinner, I must believe that God sent his son to this earth to die on Calvary's cross to substitute his life for mine. Why? Because the wages of sin was death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I have to believe that. I can't dismiss that as a theory. I must understand it as a fact and believe. And then thirdly, I must confess. I must repent. I must make a 180 degree turn to turn to him, to depend on him for my salvation, to turn from the sin that put Jesus on the cross and let him be Lord and Savior. In other words, saying to him, you are in charge. You are on the throne of my life. Whatever you say, that I will do. That is the plan of salvation. And if you're here today, I trust that God would have spoken to your heart to come to him as these children came to him with an attitude of dependence, humility, and belief. And Jesus said, when you embrace these characteristics, the kingdom of heaven will be yours.